1: Welcome to Dad's Truths. I am Augustine Erskine at the console tonight and Pastor David Murphy is here as usual to bring to you tonight's topic and to answer any question or queries that you might have. We have another topic that we will be presenting to you tonight as we are continuing on the topic of cult and tonight's topic is spiritism. Pastor Murphy, good evening.
2: Good evening,
1: Dr. Erskine. Well, it's good to be back on that Truth. I've been absent for a long while, but it's a pleasure to be here tonight. Okay, Pastor Murphy, our topic tonight, as I said before, is spiritism. And how would you define spiritism? What it's all about? Well, in terms of the official
2: definition, um Uh, They have already defined the term for us in the um, National Spiritist Association. They have come up with certain definitions, and I want to give you their definition. Uh, They define spiritism as a science and a philosophy and religion um, of continuous life based upon the demonstrated facts of communicating by means of mediumship with those who live in the spirit world. Uh, All... We can condense that to say basically that in layman's terms that spiritism is the attempt to hold communication with spirits of the dead through some medium or some human agent. So basically it's it's really um dealing with dealing with spirits, dealing with spirits, communicating with spirits. Uh, so that's that's the gist of the essence of what spiritism is
1: about. Okay, thank you, Pastor Murphy. I know that um there was a movement recently here in Antigua, I think, was um, something about that same idea of communicating with the dead and they used to go in to the cemetery and things like that. But tell us something about the history of um, this movement, Spiritism.
2: Well, Spiritism is probably the oldest uh, religion. Um, whatever ancient books you read, whether it's secular books or... Um, spiritual uh, texts, uh, there's some reference to dealing with the spirit world. The Egyptians, the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, and the Canaanites, and um, all of these ancient uh, civilizations were engaged in some form of spiritism. They all sought to to reach out into the, the spirit world. In terms of um, modern um, spiritism, in terms of how soon it, um, when it started to become very popular. Uh, we are told that it really became uh, popular in the West uh, around 1848 in connection with the Fox sisters, a lady called Margaret Fox and Kate Fox. Um, this is when you hear something called about the Rochester rappings. This is where they were supposed to be hearing uh, knocks and uh, rappings on the, the door and the upstairs, and this created um, interest in the spirit world. So it was really the Fox sisters that began the modern movement. And after their experiences uh, were written about, talked about, uh, it became customary for people now to have seances, to get in contact uh, with the dead. The other factor, of course, that um, having started in America in the eighteen forty eight uh, it moved to England in 1852, and then later on it went on to Germany in 1855. But even before the Fox sisters, there was uh, a gentleman uh, in France. Uh, they called him Alan Kardec. That was not his real name, but that's the pseudonym under which he went. Uh, he was involved in spiritism as well, and he did uh, propose to do a study on the nature, the origin and the destiny of spirits and their relationship to the, the living. So even as far back before the Fox sisters, this guy was engaged in this pursuit of getting in contact with the dead. But in modern terms, it was really the Fox sisters that revived and brought about the recrudescence of this particular movement. One other thing that is, is, is worth noting, um, Brother Erskine, is that generally speaking, after every major war, there has been a revival in spiritism. The reason for that is that there's so much loss of life that the loved ones that are left with those losses grieve so much that any religion that can give them hope to how to get in contact with their loved ones who have been lost, uh, there's a tendency uh, for those people to f- uh, try to have seances to get in contact with the, the dead. So every time you have a major war and this tremendous death, there's a Seems to be always a revival in this movement because the those who have lost loved ones uh, want to communicate with them to find out where they are. Can they can they see us? Can they hear us? Can they give us information about the future? Uh, are they in heaven? Are they in hell? Is there Jesus? Is there God? Uh, so those are the type of questions that they want to know from the dead. And uh, so that is a brief summary of of. Um, how the movement in modern times has started, but it has very ancient roots. It's not something modern, something very, very ancient. Every major civilization uh, have had this spiritistic uh, tradition within its culture.
1: Well, it seems like people always want to know about the unknown and to communicate with those who have gone on before. And so it seemed like It's always in man to um, communicate with the the loved ones who have passed on.
2: Well, I know that my wife was in uh, Cameroon and um, I know and I've spoken to several people who are from Nigeria. I know that in Africa, it's a very, very um, strong form of religion. Dealing with your ancestors, uh, dealing with spirits, and so on and so forth. As a matter of fact, in Cameroon, they still bury the, the the, the body within the home, and of course, a lot has to do with the skull, taking the skull and doing different things with it. I was shocked that that was still going on in modern times, but we've had missions teams who've been to Cameroon about twice already. I they think they're going to, on their third trip eventually, but they've done it twice. And the reports they've come back and brought, uh, what they've actually seen and what actually culture's about, um, it, it's It's shocking that this kind of a practice would be so common. But again, in in, uh, Japan, in China, ancestral worship is so common. Um, Buddhism and Taoism and uh, and those other religions in the East, a lot of them have to do with trying to communicate with the dead and taking care of the dead and feeding the dead. Um, It just is something in human nature that when a person has died, We somehow want to know what's happening on the other side. But again, our curiosity must not allow us to go beyond Scripture because the Bible is very, very clear that this is one area that God has uh, reserved um, for himself. And we are told that the secret things belong unto the Lord. And the Bible specifically condemns any kind of practice dealing with necromancy, uh, any kind of contact with the dead uh, throughout the Old Testament it is condemned, and within the New Testament itself, it is also condemned. So it's not a practice that we should engage in, even though there's a tendency in human nature to want to find out what's going on
1: in the spirit world. Pastor Murphy, what is its appeal or attraction of this um, religion?
2: Well, there are several reasons why people get involved in this, this um, form of um, religion. Uh, for one, some people are just naturally curious. Some people like to find out about the unknown. Uh, they like to dabble in what is called the the, the forbidden. They like mystery. Uh, and they like things that are spooky. There are some people who are naturally like that. So curiosity um, is really what drives them. Just like a moth is driven towards a light, there are some people uh, who are driven to the bizarre. Anything that is weird and unusual, and spooky, and scary, some people. So they just want to find out, out of curiosity, is is it really, uh, is this thing real? Do we get in contact with spirits? What can these spirits do? What can we do? So I think curiosity is one of the big factors. I I mentioned in the introduction that the other big factor is bereavement. Uh, People who have lost uh, loved ones, uh, they want comfort, they want consolation. And they want to know things about their loved one. Uh, Where is he? Is he happy? Uh, Is this such a place as heaven? Uh, Did he see Jesus? Uh, Is there hell? Is there devil? Are there demons? I think that uh, the concern for the one who has died and has departed uh, pushes people to the edge where they really want to get in contact. I remember uh, Bishop uh, uh, Pike. Uh, His son had died from an overdose of drugs. And he uh, became so curious uh, about what was the condition of his son that he dabbled in seances and, and wrote a book called um, Beyond, uh, telling his, his encounters with, um, through seance with his son who had died. Uh, here is a minister who goes against the very teachings of Scripture and the mandates of Scripture forbidding such practice, but out of his grief, Uh, He is driven to try to see if he can contact his son. I suppose he wants to know if his son who died of an overdose of drugs, was he saved? Was he lost? Uh, I can understand the psychology of a person's mindset that would drive them uh, to go beyond the restrictions of Scripture. But I can't condone it because if God condemns it and and God um, clearly in His Word, I hope we'll get a chance to see that. Uh, condemns any kind of attempt to contact with the dead, so much so that God saw it as a capital offense in the Old Testament economy. A person who engage in going after wizardry or going after necromancy or trying to going after witchcraft or, or, or going after the spirit world, uh, God demanded under the Old Testament economy that they be, uh, be they be killed, because God has forbidden this area of the realm, and we should not. Engage in any activity that God has given in his word. We may want to find out. We may want to be curious. But God is a final, ultimate authority. He knows what is best. And he knows the dangers of him dabbling in this kind of um, spiritism. So he has restricted and commanded us not to engage in it. But uh, So there is the curiosity factor. There is the bereavement factor. But there's another factor for well, scientific research. Uh, you've heard of um, extrasensory perception, uh, psychic research, uh, so, from a scientific point of view, there are people who are uh, pursuing these kind of encounters to see how real they are, can they be scientifically tested, are they really authentic, or is it just fakery uh, that people are engaging in and misleading people, etc. So under the guise of scientific research, uh, or psychic research, there are people who dabble in this area. And again, as a Christian the Bible restricts us from going and engaging even in this kind of a practice, even though we might use scientific terms. uh, We must not allow our curiosity to go beyond what God has regulated and God has controlled and what God has restricted. So this is something that's outside the pale of a Christian's um, engagement.
1: As you mentioned that it is one of the oldest religion, it just reminds me in the scripture about an encounter with um King Saul when um he went to the grave of the prophet um Samuel Samuel mm-hmm. and and to uh, communicate with um Samuel yeah
2: yeah that that is a uh, one of the examples that uh, we have God's mind in regard to this whole matter uh Saul of course because of his disobedience Um, God told him he was going to lose his throne. And uh, because of the consistent disobedience of call, it said that there came a time when uh, there was no prophet that would speak to Saul. The heavens were like brass. Even his prayer wasn't being answered. And out of desperation, he wants to know what's going to happen to him. And he goes to the witch of Endor. Endor, And um, he calls up Samuel. Now, in that particular incident, you find in in Samuel, the book of Samuel, it is very, very clear that this witch was surprised when Samuel actually appeared. And I think that God miraculously intervened and allowed Samuel to come and speak to Saul because Samuel was able to prophesy that Saul would be killed and his kingdom be taken away. Uh, But we must not use that as an excuse to dabble. In, in spiritism, because this is an exception to the rule. As a matter of fact, part of the reason why Saul lost his kingdom, we are given in the book of Kings, is because he he actually turned to a witch in the, in the end of his life. And uh, the Lord makes it quite clear in the book of Leviticus as well, that the reason why he was destroying all the nations in Canaan, all those Canaanite nations, is because they had dabbled in these, this form of spiritism. And he warned Israel that she must not engage in the same activity, otherwise he too will put them out of the land. So because we have an incident of this, this was something of an exception to the rule but it was God intervening miraculously uh, to give a word to to Saul through Samuel but this is not uh, an endorsement of uh, us turning to wizards and turning to witches to find out what's going beyond the grave. That is clearly forbidden in Scripture.
1: Yeah, and probably Saul knew that he was violating God's word to do such a But he did. You know
2: why? Because you remember he disguised disguised himself because he was afraid that if it was reported that Saul had gone to um, a wizard or turned to a a witch or a necromancer, it would have meant that Saul would come under the penalty of capital punishment. So even though he was king, uh, he should have been legitimately stoned or killed because that was forbidden under the economy of law.
1: But what kind of, you know... Attraction to be dealing with, I would say, demonic forces.
2: Well, some people don't think that's a the problem. They don't think it's demonic forces because they do not understand the biblical teaching. If you read uh, the book of Luke chapter sixteen, it is very, very clear that when a person dies, it's very clear when a person when a person dies that um, they cannot come from one place to the other. I mean, you read the book of, of, of Samuel, um, Luke chapter sixteen. Mm-hmm. So, there's no possibility of any person coming from where they are back to earth. What we've got is demonic forces impersonating uh, human personalities. But the majority of people who engage in um, dealing with uh, necromancy and dealing with, they don't think they're dealing with demons. They think they're dealing with the, the spirit of the person who has left. So, that is the reason why some engage in it. They don't really see it as, as a matter of fact, when we begin to look at what are the beliefs of spiritism, you'll see that they don't believe in anything called demons. So they think that the spirits that are out there to be contacted are actually human spirits out of body. Uh, So that is part of the reason why it it is so recklessly engaged in.
1: What are some of the names that are associated with this movement?
2: Well, any movement to gain prestige and to gain a following, uh, it has to be somewhat associated with some prominent personalities. And you will find that when it comes to spiritism, even though the following is not a very large following, uh, there are lots of people in very high positions and uh, people who are uh, um, very well educated uh, who are actively involved uh, in spiritism. For example, uh, Elizabeth uh, barrett Browning, the writer, um that everybody should know about, Um, she was involved in it. And then Sir Arthur uh, Conan Doyle, uh, another writer, he was involved in it. You've probably heard about Immanuel Swedenborg, a great scientist, but also a person who's involved in a form of religion called Swedenborgianism. And then there is um, um, Mesmer, you've probably heard of the word mesmerize. And the guy, Frank Anton Mesmer, who used hypnotism and used magnetism to heal people, he was also involved. But then uh, other names that come is like um, William James, the great uh, American philosopher and psychologist uh, at Harvard University. Uh, He himself did a lot of experimentation. Uh, So his name, his prestigious name, is associated with this. And then there's a guy called Sir William Cook, uh, British scientist uh, who was honoured with five different degrees from five different universities in Britain. He was also the inventor of Cook's Tube and he discovered tellium. Uh, great scientist. But again, his name is associated with spiritism because he was convinced having had certain experiences with seances. So you've got a prominent name like that. I mentioned Bishop James Pike uh, that because his son died of an overdose, he... Um, he wrote a book called The Other Side, which has to do with the seances he had in contacting with his son, who he spoke to his son, and his son spoke to him. And of course, people have heard of Shirley MacLaine, uh who wrote the book um, Dancing with the Light and Going Within. Uh, she's more associated with the New Age movement, which is a very big movement today, but she herself uh, dealt with the spirit world. So those are some of, the, uh, some of the prominent names some of the persons who are listening might be familiar with some of, of those names, especially William James, some Bishop Pipe, and especially Shirley McLean, because she's become a very popular author in, in regard to the New Age movement, which is, is a movement in the modern world that is going by leaps and bounds. It's replacing uh, challenging Christianity in, in, in every realm. But those are some of the prominent names that you find um, w- w- associated with, with this movement.
1: And so because of some of these high-profile people in the movement, it would attract others as well.
2: Yes, just like if Kobe Bryant or uh, Magic Johnson or one of the familiar basketball players or uh, Ted Cruz, uh, not Ted Cruz, um, uh, um, the movie star Cruz, um, forgot his name right now, but he is uh, part of a very big movement called Scientology. And a lot of people uh, within the the acting profession uh, have moved in that direction again because he's a a big star. Uh, you know, it's like if you want to buy shoes, you get a, a shoe that carries somebody's name on it that is is very popular and uh, prestigious. Same thing with any any movement; you get certain names associated with it, and people are drawn uh, almost drawn to it naturally.
1: And so they use these names as promotions to promote um, their religion. Yep,
2: it's all about marketing. That's what it is all about marketing.
1: Okay, Pastor Murphy, could you tell us of some of the things that really happen on these um, events are are they, are they fake?
2: Well, um a lot of it is fake, but it would be a mistake for anybody to think that everything that happens at the science is fake. We've got the great scientist I just mentioned to you. He did a lot of scientific studies. He was there. He, he put it under the scrutiny of the, the, the scientific method, and he discovered that there was no fakery in it. Uh, same thing with William James, uh, the great uh, British, uh, sorry, American uh, psychiatrist and also, uh, sorry, philosopher and um, at Harvard University. He did a lot of investigating as well into this whole matter and he came to the conclusion that while well, there's some fakery in, in some of that happens, uh, a lot of it is real. For example, uh, there's no doubt that people actually are in contact with spirits. There's no doubt that these spirits speak. There's no doubt that these spirits appear in what is called ectoplasm. It's a kind of a white, milky material and it assumes a shape of the person who is dead there's no doubt about that these things happen there's no doubt that they levitate that in other words that the the, the body enjoying these things that a body can actually rest on a table and just uh be suspended in midair these things literally happen there's nothing there's no doubt about materialism as um, something materializing you know a spirit uh like it weaving this ectoplasm out of the mouth of these uh the medium and forming the shape of a person's head. These things actually happen. Uh, there's no doubt as well that there's automatic writing where a person's in contact with a spirit who actually guides the pen and writes. People have written books through automatic writing as well in contact with the, the spirits, but these are not... The delusion is that we're dealing with human spirits. Uh, in actual fact, we're dealing with demonic powers who are impersonating human beings. Because the Bible makes it quite clear that the human spirit, when it dies, it has no contact with earth. It cannot move from one point to the other. Again, go back to Luke chapter 16. Very clearly, the guy said, well, if you send me or send somebody back to my my father, they said it can't happen between the two. And then uh, table uh, tapping. That they can actually hear uh, uh, the spirit tapping on the table. There's nobody in the room, but you get tapping, and then you got what it might call luminous appearances. Uh, people's face illuminating. These things do happen, and then telepathy. A medium during a séance can tell you something that's happening 200 miles away. You can call in the phone and find out, and you can actually find out that is actually happening. And then, of course, divination. Somehow they're able to give you an idea of what happened in your past. Never met you, but can give details about yourself. So while it is uh, tempting to say that this is crazy stuff and this is just fakery and mockery, uh, the facts uh, uh, say to the contrary. There is a spirit world, but it's a demonic spirit world and those who are in contact with these spirits are not in contact with the human spirits. They're in contact with um, demonic spirits that impersonate individuals whom they might have known. Uh, so this is the deception that is involved in spiritism. And that's why I said a moment ago, um, Brother Erskine, that people don't think they're in contact with demons. If they, if they knew that, they probably would stay away from it. But in actual fact, uh, they believe that they're actually actually contacting their brother or their sister, their wife or their husband or their aunt or their uncle who's died. And they're deeply concerned. They want some kind of a comfort. Where are you? What's happening to you? But these things, a lot of these things happen. It's frightening. Look, when we come to the Bible, there is a real spirit world. You go back into the, the book of Exodus when Moses threw down the rod and it became a snake. You remember that Pharaoh's magicians were able to throw down their rod and it became a snake of that, and Moses' snake ate up the other. You remember that when Moses turned the water into blood, they were able to turn the water into blood. You remember also when Moses called up these frogs. They were able to call up frogs. But when Moses started to do some things they couldn't do, like throw the dust and it became flies, and that one side would have light and the other side would have darkness, then they said, this is the hand of God. But there's no doubt that there's darkness, real darkness, uh, infernal darkness uh, that with tremendous power uh, that we are warned not to engage with or not to any way to have any kind of relationship to stay away from those kind of things because you can become demonized, and that is why there's a clear warning in the Bible not to engage in such activities.
1: Okay, Pastor Murphy, we have a question here. We have a WhatsApp question here, it's from Antigua, uh-huh. and it said. How would you define the spirit world? And would you say that the religion you are discussing tonight is mostly associated with the devil?
2: I think I understand the question, basically. I, I mean, the, what the person is saying. I agree with the person immediately. Anytime that you're dealing with contacts with spirits, uh, uh, you're dealing with contact with demonic powers, uh, scripture makes it very, very clear that it's the point of the man wants to die after his judgment. Luke chapter 16 makes it very clear that one person cannot move from one compartment to the other. There's no transition between uh, the um, uh, plan- uh, the earth and the spirit world. So there's no doubt that people who are engaged in all of these kind of activities are dealing with demonic powers, and which behind demonic powers is the mastermind himself we call Satan. And this is why in Scripture, God warns against any form of contact with the dead. And he uh, has put parameters into how far we can go, even in our scientific investigation or psychic studies. Uh, God is the Lord of the universe, and he knows best and it's the duty of man to submit to God and live within the restrictions that God has placed and we are being arrogant and um, self-centered and we are playing God when we go against what God has said in His Word in respect to these matters
1: So then you would say that most of these um, activities are demonic activities associated with um, spiritism There's no
2: question about that No question about that Um, there is a real demonic world that, uh, you know, we are so sophisticated as moderns, and we have turned to the scientific modern, we have accepted, when I say we, I'm talking about the general public who are not believers. They've accepted the fact that, um, you know, that we came through evolution, whatever it is, so they don't have any, they don't believe in demons. As a matter of fact, it might shock some people listening on the radio to discover that there are a lot of people in the pulpit Uh, within the established churches don't believe in demons either. Just they don't believe that homosexual is wrong or transgender is wrong or, uh, you know. Uh, So we're living in the world where, even in the pulpit, you've got people who are not holding the Scripture and who probably have seen it as a salaried position rather than being there called by God to preach God's Word and and declare God's counsel. So uh, it might shock some people to discover that even in the pulpit, uh, they've got take Bishop Pike for example. He's a he's a bishop. Uh, what world? What, what what right does he have to violate Scripture? Because he's lost a son to uh, drugs. Why does he want to contact his son in the other world? Does he know not what the Bible has said? Was the boy saved or was he not saved? Uh, so uh, we're dealing here with demonic powers. We're not here dealing with the human spirit. We're dealing with demonic powers who impersonates uh, human beings and uh, pretend that they're the, the spirits that departed. And I think this is what we're dealing with.
1: And the Bible plainly tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against spiritual wickedness in high, in places. high places. That's right. And so when you are dealing with those things, you are dealing with demonic forces.
2: Yeah. By the way, I might, might add this as well. One of the reasons why uh, some um, churches, some pastors, some preachers have had problems with the Westcott and Hort texts Uh, you probably heard about the Received text, which is the the, uh, Texas Receptus, which is the King James translated after. And then there's the Westcott and Hort, which is a critical text where uh, you've got the modern versions that are translated from that. The reason why some people had some problems even in that translation is because, um, uh, I I don't remember if it's Westcott or Hort, which of them, but one of them had done a lot of investigation through seances as well. And it was felt that how can you be a person uh given us what the Greek language should be saying and going to these documents and why should we translate a Bible from uh, a document that you've created out of all the when you yourself have violated scripture in delving into areas that dark areas that the Bible forbids so that's one of the reasons why um people may not notice that people reject the uh the translation from that critical text, as opposed to using the text as receptors. But that gives you an idea. Here's a, a, a scholar, a uh, brilliant scholar. Uh, I don't have any doubt in my mind that he's a Christian either. But why do you are so arrogant that you go beyond Scripture and you want to investigate things that the Bible has forbidden you to do? So it, it's a very strange phenomenon. And uh, all I can say to you that as Christians, we have one authority, that's the Word, And we live by what the Word says. And it doesn't matter what any human being tells us. God is the final authority. And if God says something is wrong, it's forbidden. It's forbidden. We don't engage in those activities.
1: Well, the human mind is inquisitive, and sometimes they want to experience something different than what Scripture tells us. And Satan would influence people to get in those kinds of um, activities. Well,
2: I, I I, I think you're right about that. Um, there's nothing wrong in being curious, but again, there have to be limitations on our curiosity and and God is the one that sets parameters as to how uh let me draw another illustration about erskine we 're in headed to a dilemma in the medical world. Uh, men now want to play God they now want to create um, dealing with the genes and and uh manipulating the code in the genes to create uh human beings. Uh, we've got to be very, very careful that we don't try to put on uh, try to be God in what we're doing and understand that even in scientific investigation, there are limitations. Uh, It cannot be right to take um, babies from the womb to do scientific research, even though that research might be beneficial. But you're dealing with a human being. You're not here dealing with some kind of a, a dog or an animal. You're dealing with a human being. But when you push the push aside the parameters that God has set and you start playing that you're God you decide how, de- how deep into scientific research you go you can go beyond what God has revealed and you can enter that realm that under the judgment of God and the condemnation of God so we've got to be very careful
1: Thanks Pastor Murphy I mentioned earlier probably off here about um, when I was Growing up in um, an early age, they they used to talk about Jumbi and they seen spirit and and these things. I think some of our local listeners would understand what I'm talking about when you're talking about you see some kind of a spirit. You see a Jumbi. You might see a dog and they say it's your brother or your sister, your uncle, somebody pass. Is that fake?
2: Well look I I've had none of those experiences I have had some friends um uh that have assured me that they actually have seen um a spirit turn into a cat <laughs> no, I'm serious. I've had friends who've told me that, and I have no doubt to doubt. I mean, I have, I know these people, they're credible people. They're not just going to tell me a story. Or oh, they see
1: a cat, and they say it's a spirit. Uh,
2: well, they, <laughs> no, it, be, it was a person. They looked like a person. Okay. And then it went into, i have said that. There's no doubt that we're dealing here with a rep. Look, the Bible makes it very clear that there's a spirit world. and it's a material world. The Bible makes clear that God has created man and given man a spirit it also makes it very clear that god has created angels and that fallen angels are demonic spirits this is where i think the the whole deception is happening i think that these have the capacity to assume the form and shape of different things and this is what we're seeing we're not seeing human spirits again go back to your bible there's no legitimate basis for any contact between the human spirit and the the, the normal world once a person has died he's gone to his destiny he's not able to come from hades back to earth so whatever we are dealing with we're dealing with a, a realm that is a dimension that is beyond just the human spirit what other spirits do we have we have angels of god the good angels you've got fallen angels of the demons and uh, the Bible makes it quite clear. As you mentioned Ephesians, that we are living, we're dealing with spiritual warfare, dealing with spirits uh, and powers, uh, spirits and wickedness in, in high places. So we're dealing here with demonic forces. And again, go back to Cameroon. My wife has told me, having been to Cameroon, uh, some of the same things you're talking about, the Cameroon people uh, strongly believe in humans being able to change as uh, spiritual change into different forms. Uh, she's had testimonies within the church itself of people who have had some real encounters with the spirit world. Uh, these and these are professed believers who are authentic Christians that are talking about what they've been in. Now we in the West are not so much engaged in this actually because the gospel has been here for 2,000 years pushing back in the darkness. But in those parts of the world where the gospel has not reached for any length of time, Um, there's a dark world where Satan has had tremendous control. I just got a book off the internet. I was telling the church recently because um, I came across some notes that I was recently uh, doing some cleaning and I came across some wrote wrote on demon possession. Uh, There's a question?
1: You have two questions here, Pastor Murphy. The first one said, Good night and God's richest blessings. What is the difference between Spiritism and occultism, or are they one and the same? Well, occultism
2: has to do with dealing with things that are in the dark, basically, uh, hidden things. Spiritism is dealing with the same thing. It's just that um, occultism is the broad term for a lot of these things. Spiritism is one aspect of occultism. But when you talk about the occult, you're talking about different religious movements that deal with h- hidden things like hidden spirits, hidden knowledge, uh, etc. So spiritism would form, form under the umbrella of occultism. So in a, in a sense, we're dealing with one aspect of occultism when we talk about spiritism. I don't know if that helps the reader, uh, the, the, the person who sent in the, the thing, but basically you can't equate the two of them because spiritism is a form of occultism. But occultism is more the umbrella term under which a lot of these different forms of um, uh, practices, dark practices, are engaged.
1: Okay, we have another question here from Antigua. She said, there are people who religiously look at horoscope every day to see what the day will bring forth. What is your counsel concerning this type of living?
2: Well, it, it is not only unscriptural, it's not only wrong but the stars don't control our destiny God is a sovereign control and if you go into the Old Testament this is one of the condemnations that God gave to Israel uh, remember in the book of Ezekiel uh, when Israel had apostatized from God and God lifts Ezekiel and takes him into the temple and uh, he broke a hole into the, one of the walls and he, he, he said Ezekiel peep in here and see what people are doing And one of the things that he found that was actually taking place in the temple itself were people worshiping the stars and the moon. This is exactly what um, astrology is all about. It's about the stars really having some control on your destiny, your future. So you look at the configuration of the stars and you decide whether you're going to have a good day or a bad day, what month you're born, all this kind of stuff. This is clearly anti-scriptural, anti-God, anti-Bible, and no single believer ought to be engaged in such activity. You're bringing yourself under demonic spells when you are actually engaging in this form of activity, and this is something that is displeasing to God, and I suspect that the judgment of God will fall on those who engage in such activities.
1: Pastor Murphy, it seems like we have a caller.
2: we are listening. Good
3: evening. Good evening, Good evening. Uh, uh, Pastor Murphy? Yes, sir. Yes, um, I just want to, um, you know, uh, quote two uh, passages of scripture here. Sure. And the first one is from uh, Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 8. And that one says, five of you shall chase a thousand, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you. And then there's also another scripture that I want to um, mention here, and it's 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, where it says, in essence, that we are workers together with God. Go ahead. Now, I want to let you know, I, it's not a question that I have for you, mm-hmm. but I just want to let you know that I listen to this program every week, and I really appreciate the time that you took, you and the co-host, To to hear this program, to educate the public, and to let us know what thus says the Lord. And I just want to let you know that I do not have the means like you do to go on the radio station and to broadcast the truth Mm -hmm. that the Bible tells us. But I want to let you know by quoting those two scriptures, that I am with you and I am keeping you up in my prayers so that we can chase the enemy back to where he belongs. (laughs) And we are workers together together in the kingdom of God. Amen. So I want to let you know that you're doing a good job in the kingdom of God. Keep it up. Don't let nothing, no one deter you. The Holy Spirit is leading you. And I am a silent listener. Once in a while I would call in, but I don't make it a regular thing. I just listen behind the scenes. And I just want to let you know that I am praying for you and the radio station, so that the work of God will continue as God wants it to. Okay. So keep up the good work. Continue to, to minister the word of God. We are here 100%. We, you're not going to hear our voices on the radio but we are praying and we are listening so God bless you continue to do the good work of God
2: I, I can't thank you enough to be very honest with you I really appreciate that and especially the fact that you say you're praying for us I thank you a thousand that is worth more than gold I thank you very much sir
3: yes we are praying for you so just keep up the good work and in as much as you don't hear from us Mm-hmm. We are praying that Pastor Murphy will continue to listen to the Holy Spirit and minister. We're not going to have friends because this world is not our home.
2: Oh, yes, yeah.
3: All right? Yeah. We're just strangers and pilgrims passing through. We are not supposed to be comfortable in this world. We are supposed to turn the world, not upside down, but the right First, side up. up That's to right. To glorify God and promote His kingdom. So keep up the good work. Thank you, my brother. We are here Thank praying you. for you in the name of the Lord. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Amen. God, God bless.
1: Thank you, Carla, for joining in. We do appreciate your comments and encouragement. And I know Pastor Murphy really um, enjoyed that um, encouragement. And tonight we are discussing Spiritism. And if you have a question about the topic or some other question, we'd be glad to try and answer your question. You could call us live on the air. And that number is 462 Seven four two zero, overseas listeners two six eight four six two seven four two zero, or if you'd like to send us a text or WhatsApp, it's two six eight seven eight two one four five four. Pastor Murphy, what are some of the doctrines that um, are being taught by Spiritism?
2: Let me mention, uh, brother, that even though these people are delving and dealing with um, these demonic powers of darkness they're still using the label church and somewhere down in the when we begin to discuss later, what are some of the organizations etc you see that they call themselves a church a spiritual church a spiritualistic church etc etc so they're using a Christian terminology and tagging it onto a term and this is supposed to disarm the public as to what the real activities are engaged in. So one of the, one of the things that we gotta do when you're looking at any institution or any organization that is using this particular title of church and saying that they're church is that we have to examine the doctrine of that particular movement because This is the standard by which you judge whether or not something is Christian or not, not whether I like it or whether my mom goes to it or uh, my son is associated with it. The the whole matter about is is that it fall in line with biblical doctrine. Does it it, um, support and defend and uh, agree with the cardinal doctrines of the Bible? If a movement does not do that automatically, every Christian should have red flags going up and should know that this is not something you want to associate with and this is something you ought to be able to speak out against. Uh, Take this uh, Spiritistic movement. Let's look at some of the teachings that they uh, promote in respect to certain biblical doctrines. Let's take the Bible, for example. What's their view of the Bible? Uh, and I want to quote so that um, anyone who's part of that movement or who perhaps is thinking of, um, perhaps have a friend who want to engage in these kind of activities, I-, I want to show you very clearly that this is not a movement you should engage in. This is what they say about the, the Bible. Uh, or gonna, I'm quoting directly from the outlines of Spiritism on page 13. They say, to assert that the Bible is holy and a divine book, that God inspired the writers to make known His His um, divine will is a gross outrage see, and misleading to the public. So why would anybody um, want to be engaged in a movement that clearly is saying they deny the authority, the inspiration, the infallibility of the Bible? I mean, that in itself should tell you that this is something a Christian, any professed believer, should not engage in. So the Bible is not their textbook. Uh, they don't use the Bible as a textbook. They think that the the claims that, that we make of the Bible are, are both ludicrous and, um, um, and and false. So, from that aspect, uh, what is their view of God, for example? What do they say about God? Uh, they say that, uh, and I'm, I'm quoting here from the physical phenomenon of spiritism, uh, and this is what they said, we abrogate the idea of a personal God. Sorry, go ahead.
1: Pastor Murphy, it like we have another caller. I'm listening. It like the caller went. Hello, good evening. Okay, go ahead, Pastor Murphy. Well, maybe we'll Murphy.
2: pick it up. Yeah, we just talk about the attitude towards the Bible, and clearly this is an anti-biblical, anti-scriptural, anti-spiritual position uh, against Scripture. Uh, what about how, how do they view God in terms of how the Bible presents God? And uh, they said that we abrogate the idea of a personal God. So, Spiritism, whatever God they recognize, is not a personal God. He is is more of a force as opposed to be a personal being. Now, that is contrary to Scripture. Our God is a personal God. And the reason why we are personal beings is because we are made in His image. Part of that image is our personality, our character. They also uh, said this of God, that God is Infinite intelligence that pervades and controls the universe is without shape or form and is impersonal, omnipresent, and omnipotent. Uh, it also teaches that, uh, as far as God is concerned, that every man has a spark of divinity in him, and every soul will progress through the ages of heights, sublime and glorious, where God is love and love is God. This is taken from the Spiritus Manual, Um and what Spiritism is and does—that's the, the, the subheading. But again, notice that they're using the terminology God, but they're injecting a different biblical, different meaning, contrary to the Bible, uh, what the Bible teaches about God. And this is where we we talked several times when we're dealing with the cause, the semantic game of taking biblical terms but injecting different meanings into them. So they're talking about intelligence, but how can there be intelligence that is impersonal? And this is where whenever people try to define God contrary to Scripture, they end up being totally confused. Uh, and they continue to speak as though God is personal, even though they define Him as impersonal. So, again, when you take cont- you, you take their view on the their, their doctrine of their, their doctrine of God vis-à-vis the Bible, this is not the biblical doctrine of who God is. God is a personal, infinite God, and um, He is a spirit. But he is not only intelligent, uh, he is a being and not a thing or not a force.
1: Right? Okay, Pastor Murphy, we'll continue to um, look at the topic what, uh, or the question, what are some of the doctrinal teachings of um, Spiritism? But we have a question here. We have a WhatsApp question from Antigua. He said, good night, Pastor Murphy. Very good program. And I'm learning a lot. Can our deceased loved one dream to us or send us a message?
2: I know that you might see your granny or your auntie uh, in a dream somewhere, but uh, as far as I am concerned, there can be no communication between the dead and the living, and God forbids such communication. However, I believe it is possible that God has ways and means of getting a message to you, and it's, it, it is possible that he can use um, a dream uh, to convey a message to you. I Look, when I was in St. Lucia, one of the ladies that became a converted person, uh, one of the reasons she actually became a Christian, this was a lady that was living a very a terrible life, very immoral life. Uh, but she got awakened because... Uh, One of her, I don't remember if it was her aunt or somebody, actually she thought the person appeared to her in a dream and warned her about continuing this kind of a lifestyle. And she came to church, she heard the gospel, and um, she became a Christian. Now, who am I to tell her that that was not a sovereign act of God's part to get a message to that person? Uh, But what I would say to you, uh, the person who asked the question, um, the, the, the 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 dream therapy and what dreams are about and so on and so forth. Uh, nobody really has any uh, scientific knowledge or anything to explain what dreams are. Sometimes dreams are a result. Remember that everything that you've ever watched in, in television, from the time you were a boy until now, is still in back in your mind. And uh, things can reconfigure themselves uh, in a way in your mind. Uh, it's just like having all of these ideas and then they come together and present a picture. But this is an area of mystery when it comes to dreams. I, I don't get involved in dream therapy and all not, I'm not a person who like Freud who can tell you what dreams mean and so on and so forth. I don't know that because I don't think any man could know that. But I do know this, that a sovereign God can get a message to you, and if he has to use a dream and uh, send somebody who will appear to be like your your aunt or whatever, he can do that. By the way, I'm told that a lot of um, people in the Muslim world um, are having a lot of unusual experiences. Literally, I am hearing that the Lord's appearing to, to to certain Muslims, and the the conversion rate is far greater than we're hearing. But uh, in the Muslim world. Um, Uh, things are happening that are totally supernatural and I want to tell the audience we must not put God in a box because God doesn't operate a certain way within the context of our own church or within the context of our own island that doesn't put God God lives in a supernatural realm if God needs to reach a Muslim in a way that he cannot be reached uh, and God uses supernatural means to do that that is God he is sovereign. let God do his work just make sure that the conversion is genuine but I do feel that uh, the Lord can use just in the Old Testament again. Go back with the dreams of Daniel and, uh, and the interpretive dreams and go back to even the New Testament where um, when Joseph went down into Egypt and the Lord spoke to him in a dream. Uh, I know that uh, we have the scriptures and that's the legitimate means that we must use the scriptures. And any dream that leads you to the scripture is not of God. But if it does not lead you contrary to Scripture, I am not in a position to tell you that that is not real, is not authentic. Uh, I do know that if it leads you contrary to, country, country to Scripture to do something contrary to Scripture, I know very clearly it's not a God. God will not contradict His Word. His Holy Spirit will not contradict His Word. Um, but I don't have a, a definitive answer for you. I do believe God can still use dreams today, and I do believe He does use dreams today. Just like I do believe that a person can speak in a tongue. But again, there's no need for it in in Antigua, where everybody understands English. But in the case where the gospel has to get to another part of the world and the situation where the person who is there can't speak the language, God has the capacity to work miracles even today. We must not box God in and tell God he got to operate how he operates in our church or within our country, as long as whatever is happening is not contrary to Scripture. Let God be God, and let us humbly humble ourselves before Him, and let Him be sovereign.
1: But please be cautious, because they would say sometime when you go to sleep with your belly full, <laughs> <laughs> you can't get all kind of dreams.
2: Yeah, that is why you got to keep. The, you got to give the caveat that whatever whatever dream you have, make sure that it is not contrary to Scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've got people that will you will meet that will tell you they've had some real. Spiritually encounter, dream-wise. I don't put too much credit in it myself. I've had some dreams myself, but I've never put any credit into it, much weight into it. But um, I do feel that God has... As a matter of fact, in Joel, where Peter quotes the verse in that happened on the day of Pentecost, I mean, remember the... The, the, the young men's dream. dream dreams, right? And remember that that prophecy has not been fully fulfilled as yet. It's going to be fulfilled ultimately during the Millennial Kingdom. But again, uh, the Lord did say that they would dream dreams, et cetera, et cetera. We cetera. We are concerned that people would move away from Scripture and go away from the Bible and be misled. Again, the, the cautionary factor is that everything that is revealed to you from God must be in line with Scripture. If it is contrary to Scripture, it is not of God, full stop.
1: Yeah, thank you, Pastor Murphy. Uh, you had alluded to... Um Folks in the Muslim world, we have a program here on the Lighthouse, Voice of the Martyrs. Uh-huh. And there are a lot of um, people who are being persecuted and they give the testimony that the Lord speak to them in, in dreams. And some of them come in to know the Lord as their personal Lord and Savior.
2: Yeah. Look, I, I, uh, I, when I was going to Bible school many years ago, I'm a dinosaur right now. Uh, the lady that helped me as a, my guarantor to get me to Bible school and helped uh, act as my guarantor, her conversion was very unusual conversion. Uh, she has told me quite frankly that part of her conversion, the Lord actually called her name. Now, who am I to tell her? During a dream? No, no. This, okay. is, this is this is it's like Martin Luther. Read. You Remember when Martin Luther uh, Luther was trying to find out, um, and then he heard a little boy saying, "Take up and read," uh, and he took up the Bible and opened it to uh, Romans. Uh, Make no provision for the flesh. Sorry, uh, Augustine, and uh, etc. But again, the, God can speak to people today, and the normal way that God speaks to us is through His Word. But I am not going to tell any man who tells me the Lord has spoken to him directly that it didn't happen. If he tells me something that's contrary to Scripture, I can guarantee him the Lord didn't speak. But if it's not contrary to Scripture, we've got to give that leeway. Yes.
1: Seem like we have a caller in here, Pastor Murphy. Good evening, caller.
2: Yeah, good evening. Good evening, sir.
1: Pastor Murphy. Yes, sir. How are
2: you? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Good night to you and the host and the listeners. Of course, I, I know who it is.
4: Uh, personally, um, there's a script in Isaiah
2: uh-huh.
4: where he states, woe be unto arms, cases, astrologers, and monthly prognosticators. Those are the exact words, right?
2: Uh-huh.
4: And, and there's a warning in the Bible, I don't know these eyes, it's Isaiah, but that one is not to follow after dreams, okay? Yeah. I say, why? Mm. You know, God revealed to me. God said, hey, them, they have all like the four or five dreams in one night. Mm-hmm. So which one of them then you're gonna follow. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he wants us not to follow the dream. Mm-hmm. I people are presenting me books about dreams and read this and and tomorrow to and know this and sell it. A, but yeah. in Isaiah I can't give you the exact um, uh, that, um chapter right now, right? Uh huh. But he wants us not to follow after dreams, astrologers, and so on. Except right. was a magician. You see, a magician pull a rabbit out of the hat. It's uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> spirituality, yes. Just to ask the hypnotizers, no. Uh-huh. But you see, i remember Pastor Murphy and the listeners, right?
2: Uh-huh.
4: God says Satan has powers, but his powers are limited. Correct. But God's powers are unlimited. Yes. You go to Revelation, the Bible says. it. Revelation 13, that God said, okay, he allowed okay, the rulers of the earth to make Satan and the God of the earth. Revelation 13. And God said, okay, God said, okay, I've given you authority. Remember the God Jesus Christ, do? He a father, no worship me. I give you all his powers to rule all the nations. So this spirituality, yes. This thing of good ones, are and they're real. Past members, they're real.
2: Yeah.
4: But there's spirituality. But for so what good? They're not. For the good of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Antichrist doctrine. Uh-huh. So Satan has waited to see people. So this is a fact that spiritual is real. Uh-huh. And people must realize, don't underestimate Satan Lucifer the fact. That's correct. We have um, Isaiah 14 and the 13, this is the, the power the man had, uh-huh. and the creature had, and mm-hmm. man creature. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to the form the Antichrist Revelation 13, world unto this earth, and soon from now, the past, maybe. Yeah. Soon from now.
2: Yeah. Yeah, this. You
4: correct. You're under ball. You're right on track.
2: Yeah, I, I think that the end time. You're right on track. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I That's want right. to read some scriptures as well because you read some, and I want to read for the audience. Um, okay. Okay, thanks for calling. Thank you for calling. Appreciate that. I want to read from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18, just a few verses, uh, verse number 10. It says, There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire. Or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or consulted with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. So this is part of the reason why the Canaanites were obliterated. Because they were engaged in all of these kind of occult spiritis- uh, spiritistic activities. And God warns Israel, you must not engage in these activities because this is part of the reason why I completely wiped out the Canaanite population. They were engaged in these kind of uh, forbidden activities. And then another verse that is uh, interesting is Leviticus uh, chapter 19, uh, verse number 20. Uh, let me see nineteen verse thirty one and thirty one. It said Regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them. I am the Lord thy God. And then also in chapter twenty one, verse twenty seven, he said a man also or woman that hath a familiar spirit, or that is a wizard shall surely be put to death, and shall be stoned then with stones, their blood shall be upon them. You know, I can go through um, other passages. Um, Numbers chapter 23, verse 23, Exodus chapter 22, Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse seventeen; Second Chronicles 33, 6, Psalms 106, 39. All of those are passages that forbid dealing with people who have what is called familiar spirits or mediums. These are people that these demons possess and speak through. Uh, These are all forbidden by God. So uh, there are many other passages of Scripture.
1: Pastor Murphy, there are some Christians might have a sickness or something, Uh and they've been praying to God for some time, and to them it seems like God is not answering their prayers, they're not being healed, so they try another medium. They go to the Obamana or something to, to get healed. And so they completely violate teaching of Scripture and they go to other sources.
2: Normally, though, when people go outside the pale that God has set, the the parameters that God has set, the restrictions, and they do get healing, there's always a spiritual price to be paid. They come under the influence, satanic influence. Sometimes they become very depressed. Uh, because you'll get nothing for for Satan. You don't. He doesn't give you anything for nothing. As long as you've benefited from any kind of a ministry through any of his angelic fallen angelic beings, there's always a price to be extracted. There's a price tag. Uh, I remember years ago, and I'm going to share something with you, that uh, when I was in Bible school many years ago, I had a speaker that came to the campus and, and spoke on the campus. This is a fundamental Baptist uh, ministry uh, um, school. And I remember the guy shared something similar. He had a, a problem, it's, I think, it's either one of his hands was shorter than the other, or his foot Which I don't remember which one. But he did go outside the pale of the Christian faith and went to a faith healer, uh, uh, one of these guys, um, uh, like an obey person. And believe it or not, I'm just telling you what he said, his hands returned to the normal size, or it was his foot, I don't remember his hand's foot, But he came under tremendous oppression, spiritual oppression, and he had to um, renounce the healing. And when he renounced the healing, the problem returned. So things happen like that. But you don't benefit from the, the agency of any satanic power without paying a price. So if you do get any healing from an obey person or a witch person or whatever it is, there is a spiritual price to be paid. And you will find that it will affect your mentality, it will affect your spiritual life, and there's a great cost to be paid. But these things do happen. But uh, again, when a Christian plays uh, in this realm, they're exposing themselves to evil supernaturalism that can take over their lives and take over their mind and begin to control them and uh, therefore there is a price to be paid if you engage in those activities.
1: Pastor Murphy we have a whatsapp question here. Sure. It seemed to be a lengthy one. He said is it because of ignorance to scripture and also because of the doctrines of some of the so called Christian churches such as Purgatory Halloween All Souls Day and also many forms of Christian mysticism and televised Christian program in the media. Do we think that sets up people to be deceived as the Apostle Paul teaches in the New Testament Scripture, especially in 1 Thessalonians?
2: I, I think what the person is writing there is very, very true. I think that the the Word of God um is not being taught. we are in a, a age of uh, biblical illiteracy uh and there are several factors why this is happening um when I was in school uh we did religious education as a subject right up through to fifth form um we had Prayers, and we had a, a challenge every morning in our in our school. So even though it wasn't, I mean, this is a secular school. This is not a Christian school I'm talking about. It was a normal thing that was happening in Barbados. So we were brought up, we brought up knowing the Bible. Uh, we're living a generation now where we're really at total biblical illiteracy. Even in the churches, the, the, they are now preaching pop psychology, they are now preaching five minute messages, ten minute, ten minute. They're not doing an exposition of the word. Uh, they are no not more they more preaching what I call narrative preaching, stories that they can inject their own ideas into, etc., etc. But if far as systematic exposition of the word, that is missing. So we are living in an age where uh, we got bi- biblical, and then you got churches that have added extra biblical teachings. Uh, to add to the whole mess, like Purgatory, uh, All Saints Day, etc., cetera, et cetera, uh praying for the dead—all uh, of these are, are aspects that are added to, to, to the confusion. So, I think the the author of the the note there is correct, where the church is partly responsible for the uh, the illiteracy that we find in our times. But again, that does not absorb the individual of their own private Bible study after you become a Christian. And the Word should be a daily part of a believer's life. And uh, we ought to spend some time reading the Word. And not just when we come to Sunday, we take our Bibles and bring it to church, but we don't open it until we come back Sunday to Sunday. I was tempted to do a survey some time ago about Erskine to really find out the spiritual state of the churches in Antigua or in the Caribbean. Uh, to, to If the pastors would cooperate, to find out who reads the Bible who prays, how much time you pray, how much time a week. It would shock us to get those statistics and to read them on the radio, what the state of the church is in reality. What seems uh, is just a facade. But to a great extent, there's very little Bible reading and there's very little prayer in most churches and in most professed believers' lives. That's why the church is so weak and so impotent. And until we come back to those fundamental disciplines, we can have every kind of program we want. We can use every form of advertising we want. We can add every kind of mixture we want. But until we bring about fundamental change in the basic classical disciplines of the Christian life, which is prayer, Bible study, fasting, meditation, and um, witnessing, those are the five classical disciplines. Unless we do that and get people doing it on a regular basis, we can never produce giants. We'll always produce Lilliputians.
1: The writer also mentioned about... Um Television Christian programming in the media, that sets of people.
2: That's another big factor. I, I hardly watch um, TBN. Um, I hardly watch a lot of these popular uh, preachers. I, I don't see why they're popular in the first case, to be very honest with you. I think a lot of them meander around the Word of God. I have not seen... Very few of them. David Jeremiah does a fantastic job in terms of exposition. Uh, But generally speaking, I have not seen any fine exposition of the Word on most uh, most preaching occasions. Uh, A lot of it, basically, is what I call narrative preaching. It is telling a story. And then, rambling and giving all kinds of fancy ideas about the story, but in terms of taking the the New testament and and expounding say the Book of Ephesians or the Book of Romans or the book of and going through systematically, that is missing so Part of the reason is that the the cheap preaching and the the soft preaching and the puerile preaching is partly responsible as well for the state that the the modern Christian finds himself in. And so they're being deceived Of course Because Look I I, I told my church On Sunday night I think I was preaching And I said listen The Bible is a book About truth Truth can only appeal To one thing is the mind So truth has to appeal To the mind You appeal to the mind And once the mind Grasps the truth It then triggers The emotions So truth will always Affect your emotions But to go directly At a person's emotions To arouse you emotionally Is vulgar I am a demagogue when I appeal to your emotions, bypass your mind. And that's why you have to preach to the mind as the mind grasps the truth and the probate. Then the, the feelings and the emotions will come, see. So what we have is people stirring people's emotions, bypassing their
1: mind, and there's nothing and the sticks spirit, in between. And the spirit is not there. And the spirit there. is not there, oh. see.
5: Hello, good evening. Good evening. Good evening, sir. Yes, uh, good program. Thank you. Uh, there's a preacher here on the island of News. Nice, every Sunday is on the um, sometimes he used that uh, scripture out of uh, Ecclesiastes nine five which says, "The living know that he should die shall die, but the dead know, it know it nothing. And also he says that when when a Christian dies, he doesn't go to heaven, Mm -hmm. he just goes to the grave until the resurrection. What are your take on that? I would like to
2: deal with that matter on another program um, dealing with soul sleep. This is pretty, what you just told me is what exactly the Seventh-day Adventists believe. They the Adventists believe,
5: in s- believe it, but this is another preacher from another... Yeah, yeah, but what I I I'm saying
2: understand. to you that it, it's substantially...
5: Um, I know the Adventists believe that.
2: Yeah. well, he's Basically, it's, it's not a new doctrine. This is something that uh, people have held to... When I said people, heretical groups have held to this view for many, many, many... Uh, so not there's nothing new under the, the, the heaven, by the way. Solomon said that quite clearly in the Book of ecclesiastes as well. But um, let me just give you a key... To interpret it in the Bible. There is what we call progressive revelation, where that you cannot take a verse in the Old Testament to establish any doctrine in its finality. Because God reveals throughout the Bible until you come to the New Testament, where we got fullness of knowledge and fullness of revelation. Take the doctrine of the Trinity, for example, it's in seed form in the book of Genesis. But the full explanation of that doctrine is found in the New Testament epistles. Same thing about the afterlife. You can't establish the doctrine of the afterlife on the Old Testament. There are passages in in the Old Testament that are very, very clear on it. There's some that are very cloudy. But you have to come to the fullness of the New Testament where God reveals the fullness because it's progressive revelation. Now, I'm saying that to say this. Take the book of Ecclesiastes that you just talked about. If you're going to find out what that doctrine is about, you have to find out what is the theme of Ecclesiastes and what is the background to that epistle, uh, to that particular book. And clearly, Solomon, if you read the book, Solomon is writing from a man's perspective, a man under the sun. Ecclesiastes is Solomon in a state of delusion. Solomon is searching for uh, finality in terms of his relation with God. Solomon has found himself in the jumps, He's gone into a great uh, search. He's, he's gone away from God. And he's trying to find out what is, what, what is life worth living? What's the meaning in life? So the, the views that Solomon expressed in the book of Ecclesiastes, he's looking at it from a, a human point of view. So when he speaks that kind of language, unless you understand the background to that book, you can As come that
5: to, is. Hello? What, what, what goes into the grave has no dealing with men in, in living in life. Uh-huh. Right. But his soul the 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 Bible talk about soul, body and spirit. That's correct. Um, and the same verse says, Neither do they have any reward. Uh-huh. And Jesus says they would have their reward in the judgment.
2: Now, you, you're getting the angle I'm coming from. The, the perspective there in Ecclesiastes is, is not a spiritual perspective. This is a man that has become disillusioned. He's trying to find his way back to God. And you'll find in Ecclesiastes, he's trying one thing. As a matter of fact, Solomon tries about six different things before he comes to the conclusion in the last chapter saying, now, here the conclusion of the matter. Here's what I concluded after all I've told you. Here's the conclusion of matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. Right? So he's reached the point now where the cloud of delusionment is now lifted and he now begins to have a perspective. So some of the statements that he makes in the earlier chapters, he's speaking from the perspective of a man who has lost his way, he's lost his faith, and he's trying to find his way back to God. So that is why you cannot base a, finality, uh, a, fi- a final uh, teaching on any doctrine On the book of Ecclesiastes, because it's the perspective from which you wrote the book. Now, when you come to the New Testament, it is very, very clear that the Bible doesn't contradict the Bible. So when Paul says, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When we find that on the Mount of Transfiguration that Jesus is talking to uh, Moses and Elijah, who already died, it's very, very clear that, you remember Jesus also said that God is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living? Of the living. So this is a guy that is, um, got his Bible wrong, got the Scripture wrong, and probably uh, has not done any great study on this matter. So don't be misled by him. Hold to the Scripture. You've got your right position, and um, you share sure your position because you're in the correct position. Okay. Thank you so much for calling. We really appreciate it. God bless
1: you. Okay, good night and thanks for calling. Pastor Murphy, we have a WhatsApp question here. He said, I wake up in hospital intoxicated with alcohol and I was in the sky and I saw a man and I believe it was Jesus. And he said... I am in safe hands. You are in heaven. I believe it was real, but people say I am lying, and it is not real. What do you think, Pastor Murphy? My first <laughs> question to you
2: is this. Are you a Christian? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? If you say to me that you're not a Christian, you have not put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that dream is a bogus dream, because if you're not a believer, there's no way you could have been in heaven. You might have been deceived into uh, into thinking that you're right with God because you've had this experience. So I don't know if you are a believer, uh, but whatever experience you had when you are intoxicated, if you're not a believer, you're not a person who put your faith and trust in, in Christ, believe in me. If you would have died that day, you would not have gone to heaven. Uh, you would have gone to a crisis eternity. So don't be dis- misled by whatever Spirit told you that you're okay. Okay. Uh, if God was going to speak to you when you were under intoxication, he would have said to you, what you're doing is wrong. You better get right with Christ. You better get to get your heart right with God. And uh, I think that is how God would have spoken to you.
1: Mm-hmm. Pastor Murphy, we have a um, listener here. Hello, good evening. Pastor Murphy. Yes, sir. You're in the
4: boy with an anti psychologist, right?
1: Okay.
4: But we'll take a closer. I can only have a few minutes, right? Uh-huh. Um, I would like you um, to, uh, to, to this program to refer three scriptures, I'll quote to them, Okay. Keep the listeners, right? Because I will do sermon on Sunday night, today I'm doing broadcast, right? On Sunday night? Okay. And you're speaking about the law, right? Yeah, go ahead. Yes. Yeah. As a messenger of truth, I'd like them to realize that the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? John 3, 16, is so God all of the world. He gave his only begotten son. Uh-huh. But the key to that scripture is repent or perish. Okay? Correct. Okay. But the key to the scripture is repent or perish. So therefore, there's no way you could have perished except if you don't repent. But you accept what he did on the cross. Okay? Yeah. John 13 34 now is the key. A new commandment, the law. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. Mm-hmm. But that, that is not 11. It's just, put it the 10 then. A new commandment. So, therefore, John 13, this is the key for the past. I know what I'm saying. That commandment will fulfill all the other ten, because you don't, these are the last number come back to justify. So, you're not going to say, you're going to give ten commandments because they have a past. Mm-hmm. That John 13, is a key, key scripture, not only for the
1: Adventists, but all Christians. Okay, Carla, 13, we'll have huh? to, you have to, um, Close off your question now. What's is, the other verse? What's the other, uh, verse? What's the other time? verse? You said
2: three verses.
4: Right, next week you can do that. Next week? Next week you can do oh, oh. that. Okay, then. Thank you but so the very much. Service, service, is the key uh-huh. to the law. Well, the master, the master said master love said is the fulfillment
2: of the law, right? Love is the fulfillment yeah, of the law. Yeah,
4: like Christ is the end of the law. Correct. And the love is the fulfillment of the law. Uh-huh. So Christ is the one that's Moses. Mm hmm. I'm not here to no Adventist and no religion. But that John thirteen thirty four, 34, all Christians realize that is a key scripture. That is pr- not no Sabbath, no this, no that, that.
2: Key principle. That is the key. Yeah, that's a key principle.
4: And repent our perish is the one that goes
2: married to that. Okay. Thank you very uh-huh. much. Thank you.
1: And Pastor Murphy, we have now come to the end of our program for tonight. We want to thank you very much for imparting to us the spiritual truths as we were dealing with the topic, Spiritism. And we'd like to thank all listeners very much for those who send in their WhatsApp message and those who call. We do appreciate you doing so. Do you have any parting word for our listeners?
2: Well, we just want to thank you for allowing us to be in your home tonight and we look forward to being with you next
1: week. God bless. Thank you very much, and do have a pleasant evening.
0: Thank you for joining us for today's program. We pray that the Holy Spirit uses the truths shared from God's Word to strengthen your faith. Now you've heard it. That's truth.